0: side I'm your host Brianna I'm Dyson and this is Dark Adaptation for part two of episode 58 where we've been discussing the O.J. Simps, I mean the disappearance <laughs> of Walter Collins and soon to be the Wineville Murders Alright. or the Wineville Chicken Coop Murders or whatever you want to call it. Dyson's here to uh, give you a debrief and let you know what we discussed in part one.
1: Oh man. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> I'm just watching you look at me like the fuck you about to. say So
1: there's this place called Lincoln Park Arcade. Oh no! And nope. Oh my god! Just thinking about me about it just makes it. Just thinking, it, about, just thinking about, it about it makes me think like feel like I'm crawling through my skin. <laughs> you know what? And it's just oh. Do you feel numb? I do feel numb. Oh. I want to collab with Jay Z. Oh. And his Blueprint album. Mm-hmm. I might just fucking kill myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he feels like he can't wake up.
1: Can't wake up.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm just going to go right into it because the people are probably, like for us, it's been like nine minutes. Yeah. But for, you know, everyone listening, what's up? It's been like a week. So, uh, I
1: gotta give the people what they want, get the people going.
0: Yeah. So, in part one of the OJ, and no, I'm just kidding. It's not, I'm going to stop <laughs> doing that. It's not even funny. In part one, <laughs> We discussed the disappearance of Walter Collins from the Lincoln Heights neighborhood of Los Angeles, which was on March 10th, 1928, and he was last seen on his way to the cinema. We discussed the absolute hell that Christine Collins was going through thanks to the incompetent and corrupt LAPD. And one of their corrupt plans included telling Christine that they had found her missing son, ultimately forcing her to take home an imposter. And after three weeks, Christine brought that boy back to the LAPD saying, yo, this is not my kid. And she was armed with evidence that the child was not Walter. And instead of believing her, Captain police captain JJ Jones had locked her up in the psychiatric ward at the LA County General Hospital against her will for 10 days. Jesus
1: Christ. Could you imagine this happening today?
0: Oh my God. Holy fuck. No.
1: It would just be such a shit show. It already is a shit show I, though.
0: <laughs> I don't even have words for if this happened today. It's yeah. It's
1: like
0: look, not I can't imagine it happening here. Or yeah. I hope not. Not in that America. we don't already
1: have serious issues going on, but like, oh my god, could you imagine?
0: <laughs> a fucking nightmare. You know what's also crazy is this is 1928 and that's almost a hundred years ago. Isn't that wild?
1: Yeah, well. How long did twenty two, twenty one Jump Street come out? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably like ten years ago.
1: <laughs> it's a decade and a century. My name's that's Jen. what we're dealing with right now.
0: Like the twenty one Jump Street with Channing Tatum and Johnny Yeah, yeah, Hill. yeah, Channing Tatum. Uh, twenty twelve. Oh my god. Oh. Oh. Hoo, hoo, hoo.
1: That was like three years ago, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then the TV series was from eighty seven to ninety one. All right. Anyway, that's not what this is about. Although no. I would love to do a movie podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> Yo, I would actually be so good at a movie podcast.
1: I I believe it.
0: Okay. Anyway, so back to the part one after a handwriting analysis. After, uh, oop, oh, oh. after a handwriting analysis was conducted, that's fine. I'm a human. We'll leave it in. Okay. <laughs> the imposter child finally admitted that he was actually a 12 year old runaway from Iowa named Arthur Hutchins Jr. And he said that he had pretended to be Walter so he could escape his father and stepmother, and move to L.A. so that he could be in the movies and meet his Hollywood idol, Tom Mix.
1: I'm gonna go look up Tom Mix. Oh, at the end of this,
0: Tom Mix is like he is a, a cowboy star from like right the twenties, but even before the twenties, like well, maybe early twenties, until like I think the fifties.
1: yeah okay not
0: even until the 50s because he was mostly a silent film cowboy okay Uh, he did like fucking a fuckload of movies but he only did a few that were like the talkies you know oh okay Uh, that's all i know
1: okay yeah no i was picturing like a ronald reagan type when he was an actor
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i always forget that here i'll just yeah tom mix Look at this man's that's a cowboy right there, American film actor.
1: Oh my oh my god, this is like quintessential like cowboy you know in the movies type picture.
0: According to Google, Thomas Edwin Mix was an American film actor and the star of many early Western films between nineteen oh nine and nineteen thirty five. Yeah, see I was way off. He appeared in 219 films. Whoa. And all but nine of them were silent. So, you know, I had some bits here and there. Oh, God, he that's... was Hollywood's first Western star and helped define the genre as it emerged in the early days of cinema.
1: Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
0: Tom Mix for you. Thanks, buckaroo. <laughs> so that's who this little imposter was hoping to meet. I hope he never met him. <laughs> Me and too. I hope that when he did, Tom just spit in his fucking face. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh part one back to that wow i'll tell you what we haven't recorded in a while and we're just like (laughs) so
1: just like usual
0: (laughs) okay true we have no excuse this Mm -hmm. is who we are as people you're here for a reason i suppose and hello okay christine was finally released from that hospital after, like I said, 10 days, which was fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And when she was released, she filed a complaint against the city, Captain Jones, and Police Chief James Davis. And the complaint was heard by the City Council's Health and Welfare Committee, who recommended the removal of both Captain James—nope, Captain Jones, and Police Chief Davis.
1: And they released a statement saying, I apologize for lying. <laughs> That was it
0: They absolutely did not release any statement They quietly suspended Captain James Captain Jones Oh my god, I keep saying James Mm -hmm. Captain Jones for however long But the complaint against the city And Police Chief Davis Were dismissed Right. And now When we left off In part one I told you that around the same time That the imposter, Arthur Hutchins Had admitted to impersonating Walter. The LAPD learned of a case that was coming to light about 50 miles east of LA. A serial killer named Gordon Stewart Northcott was discovered in Wineville, California and he had been kidnapping, sexually abusing, and murdering young boys on his chicken ranch. Yeah.
1: It's dark. It's, it's a yikes. It's a, it's a wolf. It's a oh.
0: So yeah, in the words of Dyson, this is dark, it's a low, and it's straight up gonna get pretty gruesome, Mm -hmm. and I'll be mentioning violence against children, so just take care of when listening and yeah um i meant to mention this in part one as well like that the reporting on this is like i mean it's 1928 yeah the reporting it's, varies a lot yeah so the I'm, standards
1: weren't there you know
0: they sure weren't yeah and yeah so i'm telling all of this like in the best way i can just based on the sources i read what was the most sort of like consistent themes and stuff but um especially that especially applies to this episode when it comes to the wineville murders Mm -hmm. so yeah
1: yeah well we are in the oj simpsons of our time (laughs) simpsons
0: plural Uh, whoa. whoa all right so california authorities learned of gordon northcott because in early september 1928 which is six months since walter had vanished a canadian woman named Jessie clark had contacted us authorities to tell them that two years prior 1926 her brother sanford wesley clark who was 13 in 1926 had been kidnapped by her uncle gordon stewart northcott who was 20 at that time and was being held Sanford was being held on a ranch in Wineville, California. Okay. So Jessie said that she was reporting it now because she'd been worried about her brother. So she decided to go to Gordon's ranch to check on things. And in the few days that she stayed there, she found out that her uncle was abusing her brother. Mm -hmm. And her uncle was involved in something just absolutely sinister. Oh, no. So let's start this with... Gordon so Gordon Stewart Northcott was born I don't know (laughs) 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 I've seen both like all uh, 1906 07 and 08 right and just based on the articles I've read and saying like what age he was at what time I think it's safe to say he was born in
1: 1907 okay either way that's the safe bet and there's a little asterisk next to it because basically. reporting at the time. Yeah. Yeah. What, he, what do you want from us? We can't go back there.
0: At least I'm just being straight up, okay, guys? Like my <laughs> God. Also, if Gordon Northcott, you're gonna hate him by the end. So basically, who fucking cares when he was born?
1: Yeah, fuck this guy.
0: You know what sucks though? He's Canadian. Yeah. He was born in Bladworth, Saskatchewan Sask- Wow, I almost couldn't Saskatchewan. Jesus Christ. Bladworth, Saskatchewan. Did I say that weird?
1: No, that was pretty good. Bladworth, Saskatchewan.
0: Saskatchewan.
1: Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan.
0: But he was raised in British Columbia. Mm. In 1924, he moved to L.A. with, or the Los Angeles area, sorry, with his parents. And in 1926, he purchased a plot of land in Wineville, California, which, like I've mentioned, is about 50 miles east of L.A. Mm Mm-hmm. So he purchased this plot of land because he wanted to build a chicken ranch and a home with the help of his father, who was in the construction business. Mm -hmm. And he also employed the help of his nephew, Sanford. And it was under that pretext that Gordon brought Sanford from Saskatchewan to California, saying, like, just come here and help me, like, build my ranch and my house. Like, it'll be great. Yeah. And then once he arrived, Gordon just... Basically kidnapped him Mm -hmm. and began to abuse him both physically and sexually. Yeah. And at that time, like I mentioned, Gordon was 20 and Sanford was 13. Mm -hmm. So by the time the ranch was complete, Gordon lived in the home on the property with his mother, Sarah, and Sanford was trapped there too. And I have no idea where the father was. He did not live on the property as far as I know, Mm -hmm. but he helped build it. But like where he was, couldn't tell you. Okay. While residing at this chicken ranch, Gordon abducted an unknown number of boys and molested them. Typically, after assaulting them, he would drive the victims home and let them go. Mm -hmm. But at least three of them were murdered at the ranch. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Everyone thinks it's way more, but at least three. Okay. He was also known to have, quote, wealthy customers from southern california who rented these boys from the ranch
1: okay
0: and gordon gave up all the names of these wealthy people but those their identities were like protected and they were never published what?
1: wealthy people being protected
0: what? In what man dude you're lying no disgusting
1: <laughs> i don't even want to follow that one up
0: that's <laughs> disgusting
1: It's fucked.
0: Also, like, straight up, Gordon Northcott is fucked. So, like, it's totally possible that he was lying. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Right. I also think it's totally possible that people with money would absolutely pay for young boys.
1: Yeah. You know, I can't think of any instance recently (laughs) in which something like that has occurred.
0: Hey, don't talk about Jerry from Subway like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I talking about Epstein. I <laughs> that's not funny at all
1: <laughs> well
0: our sense of humor is just dead
1: that's kind of funny
0: epstein yeah yeah now, fuck epstein and fuck jared from subway yeah fuck S- jubway sarid jubway yeah, Jared.
1: fuck you jubway sarid
0: <laughs> and your stupid fucking jeans fucking dead fish i don't ever want to see you cold fish holding up those goddamn jeans <laughs> fucking freak why was Subway Jared even a thing? America, I'm sorry, you're weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got skinny by eating loaves of bread. <laughs> like, way to go, guys. That was fucking brilliant.
0: <coughs> I choked on my wine. Oh. Choked on my wine. My name's Jiv. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, like I said. Who knows if we can believe exactly what jo- Jordan. Oh, my. Uh,
1: Gordon. Gordo.
0: Gordo. <laughs> the references is just like ADHD. Like,
1: oh, pew, yeah. Pew, 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 yeah. Pew. Gordo is a Chef Ramsay reference. All right.
0: Nothing like Gordon Northcott. Mm hmm. So. Sanford's older sister, Jessie. Mm hmm. Had become suspicious of the letters that Sanford was forced to send home to Canada that was, you know, assuring his family that he was well, everything was fine. Mm-hmm. She became suspicious of the tone in some of the letters. In other letters, she became suspicious straight up because the handwriting was like not Sanford's. Yeah. So she was naturally like very concerned for her brother's welfare. So she ended up traveling from Canada to. The ranch in late August 1928 to stay several days and just check on her brother, which kudos to Jesse, because if I found out that my brother was in some sort of like weird position, I would fucking move the earth to go and make sure that he was okay. Right. So one night while Gordon was asleep, Sanford told Jesse that he feared for his life and that Gordon was fucked, that he had boys on the ranch all the time and that he had even murdered four boys on the ranch. Uh. Once she returned to Canada a week later, because she couldn't get Sanford out of there, uh, Jesse informed an American consul of Gordon's crimes and everything that Sanford had told her. And the consul then wrote a letter to the LAPD detailing Jesse's sworn statement. Initially, there was concern over an immigration issue that Sanford was in the country illegally so the LAPD contacted the United States Immigration Service to determine facts relating to the complaint they didn't care that Jesse was like yo straight up my brother who's 15 Mm -hmm. is being sexually and physically abused by my uncle who's holding him there captive and is telling me that he's assaulting and murdering children and they were like, ah, oh, sounds like an immigration issue. Yeah, what, did he Canadian? come over here
1: illegally? Oh. 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 Jesus.
0: So the LAPD was like, we're not...
1: Sick fucks.
0: I can't <laughs> believe you're in this country. You
1: show paperwork when you cross that line? You make me sick.
0: It's just so in vain with the LAPD. They were like, ah, oh, should we... Ignore everything Jesse said. Hey man,
1: nineteen twenties LAPD. If there's anything they fucking hated, it was foreigners.
0: (laughs) Canadians included, apparently.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: I thought they just wanted to build a wall south. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so happy that I don't I'm just I don't relate to the LAPD. Yeah. So happy. You don't have to (laughs) I don't even know what to say.
1: Hey, let me tell you a little story about the RCMP in the western part of this country. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Corruption, man.
1: Mm. Corruption, man.
0: So the LAPD, like I said, contacted the United States Immigration Service because they are like, why the fuck should we have to deal with this if we could just pretend we only care about the immigration part, then we can easily just pass it off. To the U.S. Immigration Service And they have to deal with it
1: 100% that's what they were doing They're of like course. oh man we've been fucking up So bad yeah, lately we, Let me tell you Why don't we just get the federal government to take this one
0: Yeah we hear that like Sanford's Canadian
1: Sounds like an note to me
0: So on September 15th 1928 the Immigration Service Inspectors visited the ranch And Gordon saw the Agents driving up the very long road to his ranch so he had time to grab his mother Sarah and they fled into the tree line at the edge of the property and they told Sanford to stall the agents or he'd shoot Sanford from the tree line with his rifle. So Sanford stalled the agents for two hours but realizing that Gordon wasn't returning And realizing that the agents might actually be able to help him or protect him, Mm -hmm. he told them that Gordon had ran away with his mother. So likely wasn't coming back. Mm -hmm. So they had the police come as well. And the police took 15-year-old Sanford into custody where he told them everything he knew. He told investigators that his uncle kidnapped him and had been physically and sexually abusing him he also told the them that gordon had kidnapped kidnapped, raped, beaten and killed several young boys and had forced sanford to watch and sometimes even participate
1: the cops um, must be just shit while well, the they must be just shitting themselves
0: it is the police at this point yeah, yeah.
1: just hearing this being like oh fuck
0: yeah so and so- then,
1: and then they're only focused On the kid lying to them and stalling them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't have that as a note, but that would not be surprising It checks
1: out. I'm just saying it checks out. I'm not saying he did it. I'm not saying that's historical truth. I can't ascribe guilt. I'm just saying it checks out, you know?
0: (laughs) The LAPD is like listening, nodding, like, yes, and, and Gordon was abducting children and assaulting them. And it's been really crazy here. And I've been held against my will. And the LAPD is like, wait. You're telling me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's from Canada?
0: <laughs> you're telling me. You stalled us for two hours? That's it. Code 12. Samford, Code 12. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sanford's like, did you not hear anything else I said? Okay, so Sanford said that among the boys that had been abused and murdered on the ranch were Nelson and Lewis Winslow. Do those names sound familiar?
1: They do sound familiar.
0: Those were the brothers that had Mm -hmm. disappeared from LA's Pomona neighborhood. And their parents were the ones that were receiving the weird letters that Mm -hmm. was like, we just are missing because we want to be famous. And, oh, don't worry, we're just going to go to Mexico. <laughs> also among the boys, uh, Sanford said that had been murdered on the ranch was mm-hmm. Alvin Gofia. That's the 15-year-old whose torso had been found under the burlap bags in La Puente. Right, yeah. Sanford, this is not looking good. No. Sanford also said that among the boys murdered and abused on the ranch... Was the missing Walter Collins.
1: No, I knew we were going there. I just didn't want to hear it. This poor woman, this poor mom. God damn it. And Walter, (sighs) obviously, but.
0: Uh, Shit, man. When Sanford said that when Gordon was done, his abuse on the boys or he'd gotten bored of them or whatever, he would lead them into the incubator room to, quote, see hatching chicks. And then when they were distracted, looking at the incubating eggs of Mm -hmm. the chickens, he would bludgeon them with an axe.
1: Oh, my fucking God.
0: Mm -hmm. That's
1: dark as shit.
0: These are boys. Yeah. These are children.
1: It's dark as shit.
0: To destroy the evidence, Gordon covered the bodies in quicklime, and then Sanford told the police that they could find graves of these boys near the chicken coop on the ranch. And these graves were for the Winslow brothers and for Walter Collins. Okay. Detectives went to the ranch to look for evidence that corroborated Sanford's story. And they dug in the area identified by Sanford as the graves. And as they were digging, they found blood-soaked earth, hair, human ankle bone, and finger bones. And pathologists later determined that the bones were from young male children. Okay. No complete bodies were found, though. It was just these, like, random fragments.
1: Does that mean, like, he disposes them separately like that? Yes, it does. Oh. So he dismembered them, then?
0: I don't know if he dismembered them. Um, Basically, what Sanford is saying and gordon sometimes saying and sometimes not saying because he's fucking crazy Mm -hmm. is that the graves would be dug they would put the bodies of the boys in them and the quicklime would like dissolve
1: oh right yeah okay
0: but um later on we hear testimony from sanford and jesse who say that one night sarah the mother and gordon dug up the graves and took the the bones to dispose of them in the desert. Okay. But they missed a bunch of them. So there's like all these like random parts. Yeah. So.
1: That's fucked.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, to answer your question, (laughs) (laughs) that's why there was no complete bodies found. Okay, gotcha. While the detectives were on the ranch property searching among the farm equipment, they found an axe and a hatchet that had human hair and blood on them. Inside the house, personal effects of missing children were discovered, including a child's whistle, several Boy Scout badges, and a library book checked out to one of the Winslow boys.
1: This is the creepiest shit ever. Yeah. Ugh.
0: While detectives were searching, they also found more letters that were addressed to the Winslow boys' parents.
1: Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah,
0: I don't know what they said, but there's so like
1: a stockpile of these things.
0: Mm-hmm. He had made before he murdered them. He had made them like wrote, like writ out a bunch of them.
1: That's that's so creepy and that's so alarming because he's like that shows like I'm not saying he's meth methodical methodical, but like that's a degree of methodical. That's yeah. planning it out. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! To like planning it out to continue doing this.
0: It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in the property, on the property, in the house, in the barn, all of that, uh, detectives did not find anything that could be linked to Walter. Okay. The only thing they had is Sanford saying that Walter was one of the boys on the property. And it's. Pretty good testimony because he's also saying, "Oh, for sure, the Winslow bo- uh, brothers were victims on the ranch, and then mm-hmm. they're finding the library book with the Winslow boys' names in them." So, yeah,
1: it's it's pretty much yeah, it's, it's
0: at least decent testimony. Yeah. And Sarah weren't on the run for very long. Canadian police arrested Sarah in Calgary, Alberta on September 19th, 1928, and they arrested Gordon at Okanagan Landing in British Columbia on September 20th. Mm. And then, due to errors in the extradition paperwork, they were not returned to LA until November 30th.
1: Oh my God.
0: Over two months. <laughs> This really
1: was an immigration issue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) While these two
1: pieces of shit,
0: thank you, were being held in British Columbia awaiting extradition, Gordon had confessed to murdering nine boys on the ranch. Sarah confessed to her participation in the murder of Walter Collins. But then before they were finally extradited to California, they both recanted their confessions.
1: Uh, No, take backsies.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, oh, that? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Then after they were extradited to California and they were back there, Mm -hmm. Sarah confessed again. But this time she claimed to have killed Walter on her own. Her son had no involvement. Gordon's totally innocent. She killed Walter all by herself. She actually pled guilty to this. She was held in jail, and then she was scheduled to appear before Superior Court Judge Morton for her sentencing hearing on December thirty-first. Okay. So it just went straight to a sentencing hearing because she was pleading guilty, and she was basically skipping a trial and all of yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we know what happened. We're 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 just gonna go right to uh, punishing you for this. Exactly. Nice.
0: Meanwhile. Police took Gordon back to his ranch to prompt him for more information because even though he had recanted his confession, he had verbally confessed to nine murders while he was in custody. So they were like, we'll just bring him back here and maybe he'll change his tune or start talking again. Mm -hmm. So once at the ranch, he verbally confessed to five murders instead of nine saying what fucking
1: difference does it make?
0: i cannot even begin uh, to understand gordon northcott he's yeah. just just wait he's oh, no. he is fucked. and so is sarah they're both just they're fucking like they're not people mm-hmm. so yeah he was like oh i know i said nine but i meant five five and <laughs> which
1: is such an obvious lie
0: <laughs> like um like it's any different than mm-hmm. one yeah. It doesn't matter. You're a fucking sicko murderer. Yeah. So he said that among these five were the Winslow brothers, Walter Collins and Alvin Gauthier. He told police that he had kidnapped boys to rape them and kill them by bludgeoning them to death with an ax when he got bored of them. And then he told them that he would use quicklime to dispose of their remains before transporting the bones to the desert. So all of that corroborates what Sanford had told them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then that goes to what you were asking about why there weren't all of their remains. And it's because yeah. they put them in the grave, use quick lime and then dig them up again and transport the bones to the desert. But there's so many bones. Like you're not
1: yeah, going to get yeah. them all.
0: Also, he's probably just an idiot. <laughs> he added that he'd kept Walter's body inside of his house for three days before burying him and, added that he did all of this with all of his victims with the help of his mother.
1: I don't even know how to digest that.
0: Oh, just wait.
1: That's real fucked.
0: So they were down on the ranch. They took him back to the police station and were like, S- you have to sign and write your confession. You've, you've said to nine. You've said five. To
1: legal immigration.
0: <laughs> oh my God. He was a legal immigrant. Mm -hmm. of a legal immigrant migrant i don't know he was legally in america he had moved there at this point four years before okay but sanford was not poor sanford i actually feel bad for sanford (laughs) so he's back at the police station and they're like nine five don't care you've confessed to murdering his paper write it down yeah so in a written confession that day he said he'd only killed one person
1: i knew, I knew that was coming
0: <laughs> i could see it in your I, face you i were like knew it I waiting, knew as as like, they, what's the number now
1: yeah as soon as they took him off the goddamn uh farm and was like all right put it in writing
0: he said that he'd only killed one boy mm-hmm. it was alvin Gothia. um that's the sadly the headless um boy under, yeah i've only under, killed, under killed one
1: burlap. boy like in the most brutal fucking way possible it was
0: only one and like i only decapitated him like yeah what the fuck fuck is that fuck up gordon
1: he's not bright he's obviously fucking Mm -hmm. lost it if he's like that's the one
0: i don't even have words he's this is probably one of the more like dark ones we've covered in a while
1: yeah honestly i i feel like i've been landing some good fucking jokes for this whole segment and now we're getting into this shit and i don't dare i could (laughs) i could never
0: this is like, like it's fucked up line.
1: like none of this is funny at all it's just like jesus christ and none of the of is funny at all but jesus christ this is some dark shit it's this guy's foul. a piece of crap
0: on on top of being a just dirtbag murderer these are boys yeah they are children,
1: children. yeah holy you fuck, you
0: are a monster and He's saying his mother has helped him with all of it. Uh, his mother, uh, like, uh, how do you get two monsters under one roof like this?
1: And it was Mrs. Baker all oh. along. I'm kidding. I don't know who Mrs. Baker is, but I know I'm not gonna smirch her name like is that. the
0: neighbor from Lincoln <laughs> Heights that saw Walter, but. She-
1: Throwback to My part word.
0: one. <laughs> My word, scout's honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does not make a reappearance. Mrs. No, Mrs. Baker is probably just a sweet old lady who likes to make a good old classic American pie uh, with some cheddar cheese on it. You know
1: what, though, one day you're gonna tell me a story, and like midway through the story, like the fucking undertaker, the lights are gonna go out, and you know who's gonna fucking come up from a fucking out of the midst of fog. Fucking pig lady. Oh. You're gonna throw her back into the goddamn story for me.
0: <laughs> I have to make up a story, but I could do that for you.
1: Mm. I'm in for it. Anyway, back to this really dark <laughs> fucking story.
0: Yes. So, Gordon was taken back to that police station. He was told to put his confession in writing. And that's when he was like, okay, I only killed one boy. I only killed Alvin just, Gothia. Just, just one. And that was on February 2nd, 1928. And I'll plead guilty. Okay, I did it. I'll plead guilty to Alvin Guthia. Oh,
1: I see the strategy at least now. This is uh, a shit one, but...
0: <laughs> and then, meanwhile, Sarah's sentencing uh, sentencing hearing had arrived. Mm-hmm. And Sarah testified that she bludgeoned Walter with an axe and buried him near the chicken coop where they were known to bury all of their sick and dead chickens. Which is just a fucking... just salt in the wound mm-hmm. your fucking sicko psychopaths who have taken a child murdered him after doing god knows what to him mm-hmm. and you're just gonna bury him in a place that you also put your sick or dead chickens
1: yeah it's, it's fucking horse shit like, it's like burying someone in a pet cemetery
0: it's disgusting Yeah. and she was like I did that all on my own Gordon is innocent like don't try gordon don't uh, charge him with anything don't do anything with gordon he is innocent
1: and like meanwhile he's like i confess to the one murder of another child yeah
0: (laughs) because she's like straight up incarcerated at this point yeah they can't communicate in any way to like cooperate stories or try and get shit in line so yeah it's just a shit show between that alone but then just ugh She's just disgusting. Like, fuck her. She's a mother herself. Yeah. Like. it.
1: Well, you know. Yep.
0: So at the hearing, the sentencing hearing for Sarah, Sanford testified that Sarah had told him and Gordon that they all had to, to, quote, strike a blow when it came to murdering the boys. uh, So that they'd all be equally guilty if they were caught. All Sanford right. reiterated that Gordon had kidnapped, raped, beaten, and murdered four boys with the help of his mother, mm-hmm. and even admitted that he had helped, because he's literally forced to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's only 15.
1: Yeah, this is this is fucked up. This he, poor fucking kid.
0: I know. Sanford also gave details about the murder of Alvin Guthia, saying that Gordon had forced Sanford to dispose of Alvin's decapitated head. By burning it in a fire pit and then was instructed to crush the skull like into pieces. A
1: hundred percent. He asked the kid to do it because it's the most gruesome fucking one. Mm -hmm. That's so fuck. This guy's such a fucking cowardly piece of shit.
0: So while he made Sanford do that with the head of Alvin, Mm -hmm. Gordon took the body and quote left the headless body by the side of the road near La Puente because he had no other place to put it. So confirmed that body under the burlap bags is Alvin Gothia that Gordon put there. Right. Superior Court Judge Morton sentenced Sarah to life in prison on December 31st, 1928, mm-hmm. uh, sparing her from execution because she had pled guilty And also it's the 1920s and she's a woman. So right, he just said life in prison is good. Yep. And after sentencing, Sarah had attempted suicide and begged the authorities not to go after her son, not to try her son in any way and not to execute him, especially because he was innocent.
1: I hope she fucked up in the most painful way. Uh, Yeah. And like survived.
0: She definitely did not. Like, complete suicide in any way. Yeah, okay. But, this just... It's just... Demented. This unwavering, like...
1: Why would... I don't even like, know for her son. Because yeah. like, Just shows how, like, good she was with doing this. That she was like, I'm gonna cover for him. Mm-hmm. He's gonna keep doing it.
0: I straight up do believe that she was involved in some of it though especially if like things got out of hand oh or yeah yeah
1: that's what i mean like she was good with it like she was a uh, active happy it. participant but it like, wasn't just like a mom covering
0: no she was in yeah. there with it and for sure gordon was like the ringleader of it all i totally believe he was the one going out getting these boys selling them off to other people or doing the abuse himself but when it came mm-hmm. down to like Shit, now I gotta get rid of this kid. Mm -hmm. His mom was right there. And I do believe Sanford when he says, like, you know, Sarah said, which is, like, Sanford's his grandma. Yeah. Like, don't forget that. Sanford is his grand... Sanford's grandmother is Sarah. Yeah. And she's saying, like, come on, everyone. (laughs) Fucking family affair. Everyone get a blow in because then we're all guilty. Yeah. This is a nightmare.
1: Airtight logic, too.
0: Fucking nightmares. It's like some texas chainsaw shit.
1: yeah this is fucked up
0: the state chose not to prosecute gordon for walter's murder since sarah had already you know confessed to it and was in prison for it yeah and it is believed that gordon killed as many as 20 boys but the oh. state could not produce evidence to support that speculation. So ultimately, they brought an indictment against him for the murders of Lewis and Nelson Winslow and Alvin Gauthier. So the three. Yeah. In January 1929, Gordon's trial was held before Judge George R. Freeman in Riverside County, California. And in, this is not shocking at all, a typical psychopathic and narcissistic fashion, Gordon fired three successive defense attorneys and insisted on
1: representing himself.
0: Exactly.
1: All right, here we go.
0: He was like, fuck <laughs> these people. I'm going to defend myself.
1: On a side note, this is my gift to you listeners. If you're ever bored and you're like, I don't know what to do with myself, you know, I may you know what should I do? I recommend you find a compilation of YouTube videos where defendants are defending themselves. It is the most entertaining shit I have ever seen in my goddamn life.
0: So people who attended the trial described Gordon as smart and confident, but it was obvious he was just there because he liked the attention basically. And he got... A huge kick at a fucking with the jury and the press, which made him look like an ass, Mm -hmm. and it further bolstered the prosecution's claim that he was a sinister, pathological monster who just wanted to put on a show.
1: Yeah, which is normally the outcome of representing yourself. (laughs) Yeah, this is why you need an attorney.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) From the prosecution side, the jury heard that Gordon had kidnapped, tortured, and murdered the boys in 1928, including hearing testimony from Sanford and his sister, Jessie. Mm-hmm. The evidence found in the graves near the chicken coops was shown to the jury, which consisted of, quote, 51 parts of human anatomy. Those silent bits of evidence of human bones and blood have spoken and corroborated the testimony of living witnesses end quote Mm -hmm. basically just saying what we found and where we found it exactly corroborates what sanford told us
1: yeah yeah which is like it it just shows like why he decided that's the spot where he wants to put the people while these fucking kids is because like no anyone seeing him walking over there he'd just be like oh yeah this this is where i bury the chickens i'm just burying some chickens and like they'll see bones and he'll be like they're chicken bones Mm -hmm. you know which is fucked
0: oh yeah yeah so gordon of course took the stand to defend himself telling the court that sure he'd abused young boys but he had loved them too oh Oh, your face is priceless.
1: Why the? F- Imagine being in that room; no, like you'd, you'd want to throw up.
0: Yeah, you'd want to throw up and throttle him. Just, yeah, just like you're just foul.
1: <laughs> it's such a reverse of like what you see on <laughs> yeah. like court TV, where like the, the defendant, like or the like victim families or something will like lunge at the at the uh, accused or something. It's just the jury like ready to flash mob him. Yeah. <laughs> Which they, I'd be fine if they did, to be quite fucking honest. Me too. Yeah.
0: On top of him getting up there, defending himself, talking about how he loved these boys, he even had Sarah, his mother, testify. And when she was on the stand, she gave this bizarre account of how she was not Gordon's mother, but his grandmother. Her husband had raped their daughter, And Gordon was, quote, the result of that union. According to Sarah, Gordon's father sexually abused everyone, including sodomizing Gordon and passing him around to male family members. Okay. Incest was a common theme in the Northcott's testimony, as Gordon hinted that he'd had an incestuous relationship with his mother. Ew. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Uh, oh gordon just loved giving these like over the top provocative stories and really getting a rise out of the jury and everyone basically oh, he's just
1: like the papers are gonna love this
0: yeah he was interested in putting on a show he was not interested in revealing the truth which is goes just goes to what i was saying i think multiple times where i'm like who mm-hmm. the fuck knows if we can trust anything that these two say mm-hmm. they're out of their goddamn minds yeah and I mean, Sarah, is, she's just a terrible witness. I don't even know how she was allowed on the stand. She was completely unreliable. Um, She was unable to tell Redwine, who was the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. She could not tell him how many husbands she's had. She couldn't tell him the name of her children. She, She's just out of her fucking mind. And the only consistent point that she was making was that Gordon is innocent. That's it. Gordon is innocent. He had this horrible childhood, yada, yada, yada. And he's innocent. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if you know this, but he's innocent. That's it. <laughs> and nobody was buying into thank, any of their wild God. claims. Yeah. And least of all the jury on February 8th, the 27 day trial ended with the all male jury convicting Gordon of the first degree murders of the Winslow brothers and Alvin Garcia. So it was an all-male jury because prosecutors had argued before the trial started that the details of the case were way too gruesome for female jurors. And they were like, <sighs> you know, nineteen twenties, a weak it. disposition, they could not possibly handle what we have
1: It'll throw say. them into fits of hysteria.
0: We already know they're suffering from the vapors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> again, my... again Brianna, I it's need to tell favorite.
0: you. <laughs> it's that's my favorite. the Southern thing. It's my favorite thing. Suffering from the vapors. My
1: word, I believe I have a case of the vapors.
0: I just, I just love it. <laughs> Fine, women are hysterical and they all need to be code 12. Yeah, code,
1: code, code 12. Of them. <laughs> not better? <laughs> no, it's not. It happened, but it's not better.
0: On February 13th, 1929, Judge George R. Freeman sentenced Gordon to death. During the God. trial, the state of California concluded that Walter had been murdered on the ranch, but, you know, Gordon denied killing Walter Collins and Sarah, who was literally in prison, life, life in prison
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the murder of Walter, had uh, she had attempted to rescind her confession multiple times. So, right. It's just it's just the fucking game that these two are playing mm-hmm. of like I did it. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. And here's how. Yeah. Lol. Jk. Didn't do it. Here's yes, I did. Here's actually how. And like they're just like just fucking, fucking with the system. They're yeah. just infuriating yeah, these yeah. two. Like, they demented. they're giving me the
1: same fucking like oh my god you fucking assholes vibe as like the and Millard case. Oh, you're just like oh dude, shut the fuck up like.
0: I do want to cover uh, that case. It would be the yeah, because that was that, Tim Bosma, Wayne Millard, and Laura Babcock, I believe. Mm-hmm, yeah, i I would like to do that uh, one because yeah. I've heard a lot of coverage and other podcasts who do that case, and they do not do it right.
1: <laughs> yeah, plus like we were that we were we, in it. Yeah, we were in it. We we're right in the area where this happened, they and it encompassed
0: Dylan Millard and. Uh, Smitch, whatever the fuck uh, his yeah, first I name is. It, I
1: forgot his name was Smitch.
0: They literally drove through Brantford. Yeah. Like, and I remember going through um in 2013 the Tim Hortons drive-thrus and stuff, and seeing the flyers for Tim Bosma when he was missing, mm-hmm. about um looking out for his truck and looking out for him because he was taken from Ancaster, which is like what 20 minutes from here.
1: Yeah yeah like literally yeah like 20 minutes on the dot mm-hmm.
0: um, and yeah. man oh okay well, yeah like, totally like to put it in a reference like
1: my gym membership is in Ancaster. yeah exactly you like go we're Ancaster. right there
0: <laughs> like, i should cover that oh my god should i do that one next
1: yeah that'd be a good one okay all right
0: anyway so anyway back to like nearly a hundred years ago <laughs> um yeah, he was Gordon was found guilty. He was sentenced to death. Sarah's in the background screaming and crying about it and saying that she didn't actually have anything to do with Walter's death, blah blah blah. These two fucking crime river.
1: Mhm.
0: The the conviction the convictions though, they didn't really bring closure to the families because they have no bodies to bury. They mm-hmm don't know a hundred percent because it's 1928. It's not like they can just test their remains and make sure that it is who they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. They have no like bodies intact. They don't know exactly where they're located. And it was hard for the families, especially having to go through this disgusting trial where Gordon and his mother are basically making a mockery of it. Yep. And the Winslow boys father, uh, Nelson senior actually led a lynch mob to the jail to demand that gordon reveal the location of his son's bodies threatening to hang him before the state could have a chance to (laughs) and
1: weird that you got me cheering for a lynch mob Brianna.
0: (laughs) well i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't blame
1: him i'd want to fucking string him up too holy fuck
0: Especially, just like I said, the way he's making a mockery of all of it.
1: Yeah, you you just want to fucking throttle him.
0: And I'm I don't know if um, Nelson Senior and his wife had other children, but even if he did have other children, the, he wants to know the location of his sons, plural, mm-hmm. bodies, yep. plural, two of his children, mm-hmm. two. Yep. The all the while wondering where the where the fuck are my kids i don't believe the the letters i'm receiving are from them and you have this piece of shit who's defending himself and making a mockery of the fucking court and of the trial and oh i did it no i didn't yes i did no i didn't and i don't even blame him for getting a lynch mob and being like we're not i'm gonna fucking hang this guy by his toenails myself yeah like it's just devastating Mm -hmm. so the the police obviously came and was like yo
1: please disperse
0: trust me i get it but (laughs) you gotta disband like we can't do this
1: yeah no stop
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know what the police said but they did convince the lynch mob to disband and then christine collins she refused to believe that Walter was one of Gordon's victims, especially because there was no evidence of her son found on the Northcott Ranch. And then you have Gordon, who's repeatedly denying that he murdered, that that Walter was murdered there. And you have Sarah, who's like, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So Christine, likely for her own sanity as well, is like, no, it's, he didn't. Walter did not die there. My son is still alive. Yeah. Christine corresponded with Gordon on and off over the next few months. And he would repeatedly lie and then confess that he did kill Walter Mm -hmm. and then lie some more and say, I did not kill Walter. Uh, Actually, my mom did. And then he would say, no, neither of us did. I never even met your son. Then he would recant everything he said and say he's innocent and so on over the few months. That Christine was trying to just correspond with him. Yeah. Uh, Infuriating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I don't even know what else to say. Yeah. And, yeah, that just repeated. Uh. On October 1st, 1930, on the eve of his execution, Gordon sent Christine one final telegram saying that he had lied when he denied that Walter was among his victims. And he promised to tell her the truth if she came to hear it in person. So Christine was the first woman in over three decades to be granted permission to visit a serial killer on the eve of their execution at San Quentin. Okay. And she got there. And when she arrived, in typical Gordon fashion, he said, quote, I don't want to see you. I don't know why you're here and I don't know anything about it. I'm innocent.
1: Yep, yeah. yeah, it checks out.
0: It is foul. This guy yeah. had nothing fucking better to do than to literally mess with her.
1: Is, do you think that maybe like when they put him on the chair, they could just, I don't know, half the juice. So he's, like, you know, ex- they got to do it again to be hanged. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe a bungee cord then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the rope is way too long. Yeah. branks <laughs> That's a new word. He just breaks his ankles when he hits the ground. Oh,
1: that'd be beautiful.
0: So, after all of this fuckery, this corresponding with Gordon, Christine concluded in her mind that Gordon was basically demented and insane. Mm-hmm. He had never met Walter, let alone kidnapped and murdered him. And she clung to that hope that Walter was still alive and she would find him. Yeah. 23 year old, 23 year old Gordon Stewart Northcott was hanged at St. Quentin State Prison on October 2nd, 1930. And before the trap was sprung, he screamed, A prayer! Please say a prayer for me! (laughs) And I imagine that's what he sounds like.
1: You know what I would have done if I was the executioner? I would have paid someone in the crowd like $10 (laughs) to run up to the platform and be like, Wait! Wait! Waving a letter saying, I have a letter from the governor! He
0: is not to be hanged!
1: Just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) that would have been a i wonder if they ever did anything like that because just think about it especially like at this time like hangings and shit were probably like a public spectacle wait is that too late for the 1930s uh, it's
1: probably too late it's not like a take them to the town square and hang them type I deal so. i think it was probably like to be hanged and like because like 1920s is like uh well, it's 1930 now what's the what's that one with give me your hand boss what was that one what was that movie? the green mile yeah almost said the like eighth mile or
0: something yeah the green mile like your hand i'm white rabbit yeah
1: like you know how they like (laughs) (laughs) you know they like they take you to a room and that's the end of you type deal like i think that's what it was like you got hanged but it wasn't like well here's everyone come on gather around about to hang the criminal
0: he still screamed a prayer please say a prayer for me (laughs) and i hope everyone went okay Dear Lord, please send this fucking piece of garbage straight to hell.
1: Dear Lord.
0: Sorry for It a lying. great day
1: today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you please hang his mother next?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give her gangrene or something. In
0: 1935, five years after Gordon's execution, one of the boys he was accused of killing was found alive. So not um, tried for. Because he was only indicted for the Winslow brothers and Alvin.
1: Right. Because they they went with like, we have the ability to prove that he did this. Not that we think he did it.
0: Yes, exactly. So the LAPD had thought he likely killed up to 20 boys. Mm -hmm. So one of the boys that had been missing and kind of fit the criteria that they believed was murdered by him was actually found alive
1: that's amazing
0: so seven years earlier in 1928 which is the same year that walter had gone missing this boy had gone missing and his parents reported his disappearance to the police so at the time the boy of the boy's disappearance they speculated he might have been a murder victim of gordon Mm -hmm. they were like it all fits in the area
1: this is happening all these kids are going missing and they're being killed
0: And, yeah, so seven years later to find out that that boy's actually alive, Mm -hmm. that news was really, like, invigorating to Christine. She was like, that's amazing. This is, like, basically reigniting this hope that maybe Walter has a chance and he's still alive. Yeah. Poor Christine. Yeah, I know. She's just her whole life. She's just... fighting this
1: this woman went through it this is so fucked up there is no
0: words to describe yeah what she has gone through yeah it like you said left turn right turn fucking curveball Mm -hmm. whirlwind yeah and she's smack dab in the middle of all of it Mm mm-hmm it's time to tie up some loose ends and talk about what happened after the Northcott trials with Christine and everyone else involved in this fucking wild tale. Yeah. (laughs) So in part one, we discussed that the complaint Christine filed against the city and the police chief for the false imprisonment and God awful handling of Walter's case. Um, it was dismissed, the complaint was. But Captain Jones was suspended. And I mentioned that Christine was not done with him. Mm-hmm. So the complaint turned into a lawsuit. And after two years and two trials, on September 13th, 1930, Christine won the lawsuit nice. with the judge awarding that Jones pay her $10,800.
1: <laughs> oh my god If fucking $70 was like 1000 uh,
0: $10,000 So $10,800 In 1930 <laughs> $150,000 Oh that's really good Yeah? It's one ninety. dollars Ooh Yeah $190,000
1: <sighs> Good for her
0: See you are getting better I told you Yeah right. yeah sure You are <laughs> So she said that she planned to use that money whenever he paid her to continue looking for Walter.
1: That's really fucking sad.
0: You know what else is sad? What? Jones never paid her that money.
1: Get the fuck out of here.
0: He constantly complained that he was broke. He did not have any money to pay her. And deep down, I think Christine knew that he obviously he's a fucking sheisty character Mm -hmm. and that she wasn't going to see that money. So instead she would just keep on summoning him back to court. Like every year she was like, you're not going to give me that money. Fine. I'm going to make, basically I'm going to be a fucking huge pain in your ass. I'm going to be a thorn in your side. Mm -hmm. I'm summoning you back to court every few years to explain, make you explain your failure in paying me and mm-hmm. have everyone know that it's because you're broke and whatever. Yeah. And I'm
1: going to drag you through the fucking mud for this.
0: Yeah. And yeah. as a result, basically the court would just kind of tack interest on the money that was owed. Mm-hmm. But she basically just wanted to publicly humiliate him over and over again. Cause yeah. I do believe deep down. She knew she was never going to see a cent from him.
1: She basically can take solace in the fact that he's going to die a poor disliked man oh yeah yeah
0: unsurprisingly though you know how we have been talking about how the police commission didn't suspend the police chief and the city didn't get in trouble or anything like that mm-hmm. but captain jones was suspended yeah he was reinstated to the lapd and i uh... i doubt that that his suspension lasted very long and i no. like you had said i bet he was like suspended with pay
1: Oh yeah, for That's sure. That's just
0: what like you and I are saying. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I I doubt that he had any sort of actually painful. Yeah, look
1: deep down inside chance. yourself and ask yourself: Do you really think that these people suspended him without pay?
0: So at least Christine, every year, two years, three years, whatever it worked out to, mm-hmm. she was like, "Fine, still gonna drag you to court though. Still gonna make you take time out of your day. Still gonna drag your name through the mud.
1: Mm-hmm. You're she- never gonna be a goddamn police chief." I buy all your fucking ambitions.
0: I love Christine. I love this woman. She's like the strongest person ever. Mm -hmm. So, um, the next sort of like loose end or whatever we can tie up here is Arthur Hutchins, which is the kid that was impersonating Walter. So Arthur Hutchins had been sent back home. His shitty stepmom came to get him. And, by the time he got home, which was in which was in Iowa, and he attended the Iowa State Training School for Boys, where he was enrolled in a rehabilitation program for juvenile delinquents.
1: He is a fucking delinquent.
0: Yeah, just wait. So, in 1933, when he would have been, like, about 17 years old, mm-hmm. he wrote, like, I don't know if it was, like, a letter or a statement. I'm not exactly sure where this was written, but he wrote that he had impersonated walter to escape his stepmother quote a person doesn't realize what a hell this world can be at the hands of a stepmother that doesn't love or want you end quote which that is really sad Mm -hmm. especially for a 12 year old boy but in this like statement letter thing that he had written he failed to mention that he was also running from the police because in that summer 1928 he was arrested for stealing. And upon release of his arrest, the police had required that he check in with them once a week, but instead he ran away to Illinois. Okay. In the letter statement, whatever, that he wrote, he apologized to Christine and California for his deception. All right. As an adult, Arthur sold concessions at carnivals, and then he moved to California where he worked as a horse trainer and a jockey and started a family before passing away from a blood clot in 1954. So he would have been maybe 38.
1: Oh, that's really young.
0: Yeah. That's a baby.
1: I was going to say like, what does he have a fucking movie life? What the... He has this like show-stopping spectacle at an early age where he pretends to be some other missing child mm-hmm. and then he becomes a carny selling suspect uh concession stuff and, and then, then he gets f- to california he he goes, which is and what he wanted wow that's wild yeah yeah
0: so that's what happened to arthur <laughs> okay <laughs> sarah northcott Ugh. Mm-hmm.
1: Ugh.
0: i'm already mad stubbed okay. her
1: toe every single day
0: uh yeah so she served her sentence at her supposed life imprisonment sentence. No at um oh shit, I didn't look up how to say this. Okay.
1: Penetanguishing.
0: Mm-hmm. That's Canadian. Uh T Tap Tiachapee? Tehachapi. Tehachapi.
1: That's what we're going with.
0: So she served her sentence at Tehachapi State Prison and was paroled in 1940. She oh. didn't even serve 12 years.
1: Wow.
0: But guess what? She died four years later in 1944. Good. And I hope it was painful because fuck her. She's disgusting.
1: Deeply regrettable that it was not behind bars, but okay.
0: <sighs> She's disgusting. Like, I cannot stand yeah, like I, these just, two.
1: I that's not justice at all. No, like, it she, isn't. She, she didn't even die in prison and like...
0: Still got to be free for four years before she died. Yeah.
1: That's fucking horse shit.
0: Sanford Clark, the fucking... Just... I can't even imagine what this fucking kid went through. Mm -hmm. Because by the time he had told police everything that Gordon was doing, he was only 15. So from 13 years old to 15 years old, he was trapped on that ranch with Gordon and Sarah, Mm -hmm. two absolute nightmare people. Yep. Being exposed... God knows what.
1: Yeah. Abuse, murder.
0: Like, just take a minute and put yourself into when you were 13 to 15 years old. Mm -hmm. That's a nightmare.
1: That's Yeah, that'll fuck you up for life.
0: So, he was never tried for his involvement with the murders because Mm -hmm. the assistant district attorney, uh, Loyal C. Kelly, believed that Sanford was innocent. He he said that Sanford had absolutely been a victim of Gordon's and the, like, death threats and the constant abuse was obviously so much for Sanford to have had to gone through. Yeah. And that Sanford wasn't a willing participant in any of the crimes. No, he was
1: fucking 13. He yeah. was at the very least coerced to do it. Exactly. Like, at the very least, he was forced to fucking do it
0: it's like what do you what do you do you are in a different country
1: here's a bunch of people that are raping and murdering little boys and you're a little boy
0: you're a little boy who's also getting assaulted and beaten every single day and you're probably sitting there like at that point kind of delusional like well i mean at least i wasn't murdered yeah Like, it's fucked up.
1: Yeah, it's super
0: dark. So that is what the assistant district attorney thought was like, just imagine everything this fucking kid went through. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to do anything that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. So instead, Sanford was taken to the Whittier State School, where an experimental program for delinquent youths was underway. And he was sentenced to five years at this, like, youth correctional facility. Right. But his sentence was commuted to 23 months as he, quote, had impressed the trustees with his temperament, job skills, and his personal desire to live a productive life during his nearly two years there. End quote. Okay. After his release, um, only been there for 23 months, he was deported back to Saskatchewan.
1: Right. Okay. Because yeah. this is an immigration issue.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: That's yeah, yes, yeah. all this was. Right. Yeah.
0: So ah that must have felt so good for him, though. Did not have to do the whole five years. Mm-hmm. It's less than two, just less than two.
1: And, like, I don't know. And like you get it, to
0: go home and to like another the, country. And
1: the, like, institution that's, like, doing these programs, like, likes you or, like, more or less likes you. Mm-hmm. So, like, you may actually sort of get some
0: benefits out of it. Like,
1: because you're, you re- you're at you that age of, like. You're
0: already commuted.
1: Yeah. But you're at that age where you need, like, skills and mm-hmm. shit, right? So, like, I don't know. Hopefully he got some and hopefully it benefited him. But he Jesus seemed, Christ.
0: Yeah, he seemed to have taken there and took it very seriously. And at that point, like, this means that by the time he was released, he probably wasn't even 17 years old yet or was maybe just 17. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so sad and scary. Yeah. And all of this because his uncle, his uncle was like, I know you live in Canada. I know you're in Saskatchewan, living, doing whatever. But like, I'm in California. It's nice down here. I'm trying to build a ranch and a house. Yeah. Just come and help me. It'll be fun.
1: Come on down. The weather's different. It's not freezing your ass off in the middle of the 1920s.
0: This is what happens to you. Yeah. Like, it's just like a, it is like a nightmare to me. This is fucked up.
1: This is insane.
0: So, yes, like I said, after he did this like 23 months at this, uh, basically youth correctional facility, he was deported back to Saskatchewan. Uh, Sanford went on to serve in World War II. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he worked for the Canadian Postal Service for 28 years. Nice. He got married to his wife, June, and they adopted and raised two sons together. They were married for 55 years, and together they were involved in just a fuck ton of different organizations in Saskatchewan, doing just like good deeds, charity work, all of that. And, that's fucking great. Dan Sanford died on June 20th, 1991. Whoa. At 78 years old.
1: Yeah. That's pretty so. good for them. That's pretty good.
0: He's just a, a wonderful, like, shiny example of going through... It. It. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how... I thankfully did not have to go through anything. He did. Yeah. And he came out on top. He mm-hmm. did his his job... His duties. He went to serve in World War ii worked for Canada Post, got married, adopted children, and worked in like organizations and charities,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and was married for fifty five years. Yeah. So like, I'm happy for Stanford.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad that he had a good story to come out of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, like a good like his story is his, a good one. His he didn't story. come out with a great story like a boy. Do I have something to tell you guys? <laughs> yeah,
0: and Gordon and that fuckery aside if you just look at Stanford and who he is and what he did it is a good story
1: mm-hmm. yeah he's a good fucking human being that's awesome
0: mm-hmm. god <laughs> yeah i know uh great right. who's next here on my list okay gordon The oh i just put this in here because i thought it was interesting like i don't really know where i'm going with it but gordon's father mm-hmm. who
1: was a cold fish.
0: Maybe. I don't really know. Because I'm just confused by Gordon's father. Because in 1924, Gordon moved with both of his parents to L.A. And then in 1926, Gordon bought the land where he was going to build his ranch in his house. Mm-hmm. And his father helped him because he was in the construction business and whatever. So, like... Obviously seems decent Mm -hmm. of a relationship. But then during the trial, him and Sarah are saying his father, like, abused him and all that. Yeah. And then in a couple of articles, I read that his father apparently spent the last few years of his life in, like, a a psychiatric hospital. And then I also read that his brother, so Gordon's uncle died in san quentin while serving a life term for murder
1: his family's just a bunch of real winners
0: yeah so yeah basically that's why i wanted to put that in here because i'm like first of all his father i don't even know what to make of him i think sarah and gordon are fucked up Mm -hmm. and i think they absolutely lied and embellished the supposed abuse that gordon received yeah Maybe like you can't was... fucking tell
1: like that's the annoying thing is like he's exactly he's such an unreliable person that if he says something like you have nothing logically to determine whether it's true or not. So other than the fact that he repeatedly lies.
0: basically, so,
1: you know, you can't really do much with that information.
0: But then it's fact that his own uncle died while serving a life term for murder. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is this whole family just fucking cursed on this on this side and like the father's side or like is it the mother's side as well because sarah his own mother is obviously a fucking demon Mm -hmm. so i just i don't know i wanted to add that in there because i was just like i don't even fucking know yeah it's wild
1: it's ridiculous there's there's no good apples right now on that side yeah it's brutal
0: and then i'm i wonder what side because sanford and jesse are awesome because sanford made it out of this horrible situation and actually managed to turn his life around Mm -hmm. and be an absolutely productive and good member of society right yeah and jesse is the one that realized her brother was in trouble and went down there and helped get him out of there There... i wouldn't
1: be surprised if like this is like the part of the family that you don't get to see and you you don't go to california like that's what it sounds like and that's the reason
0: mm-hmm. but then
1: again like he still went down there so obviously there wasn't that side of the family it was like hey uh no
0: yeah and then gordon <laughs> and his parents moved to british columbia but like everyone else is in saskatchewan so mm-hmm. i don't even know where i'm trying to go with this i just
1: it's just it crazy was, like...
0: exactly it is just crazy uh last thing on my like you know, wrap it up, tie a bow on it, mm-hmm. is Wineville. Wineville is where Gordon lived, built his ranch and his home. They actually ended up changing the name of this town to Mira Loma on November 1st, 1930. So that's less than a month after Gordon was executed. And mm-hmm. it literally was due to the negative publicity surrounding gordon and oh, the murders it really was. wow but then within the town they still have a wineville avenue wineville road wineville park and these other like references that yeah. are like basically a constant reminder to what you were but they yeah. just overall name renamed the city Mira Loma
1: okay yeah i could see why i mean yeah like it's they changed it because of the publicity because like now the name of the town's fuck but like I'm sure before this asshole came about and made it infamous, like, they loved wine, the the name of the town and, like, just was like, this is who we are. And it's a lovely little community. So, like, keeping the name of the streets, you're like, yeah, that's where we yeah, were. Yeah, it's
0: not totally wipe out our history, but yeah, yeah, let's yeah. at least take it back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, keep it, maintain it as part of the history and, mm-hmm. and like, like a celebrate it. And, you know, but we're not that town anymore.
0: <laughs> Both Wineville and Mira Loma are, like, Great names.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna call it Wine Town, and I'm like, it's not Wine.
0: Town. <laughs> no, that's just where you and I go. <laughs> we go to Wine Town. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so the story of Christine and Walter Collins with all of the details about like the Northcots and those trials and everything, all of that that we have today mm-hmm. is because of a journalist named J. Michael Straczynski. And he wrote for the Times and Herald Examiner. So basically he had been tipped off by a former source to these transcripts from a city council hearing about the Collins case. And he had gone to the like city and the court and he just started digging through the archives. Mm-hmm. And upon all of the stuff that he was discovering with the Collins case, he quickly grew fascinated by christine's story and he spent a year sifting through and reading through newspapers and records and just piecing everything together Mm -hmm. so he's actually the reason we have so much of this information
1: that's some great fucking work right there Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and he ultimately went from a journalist to a screenwriter when he wrote a script detailing christine's search for her son and the events that ensued and that script ended up in the hands of producers brian grazer and ron howard who then took the script to clint eastwood and Straczynski had strategically placed headlines from the newspapers of the day throughout his script and when clint eastwood read it he was like hooked yeah he was like this story is amazing so clint eastwood had actually said that the story he was reading the script that was based on reality reminded him of these amazing women that he had seen in movies growing up in the 1940s, like women like Betty Davis and Ingrid Berg, Ingrid Bergham, like Ber- Bergman.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: Jesus. All of these like amazing ladies, these like yep. leading role, very like dramatic, strong women. Mm-hmm. So in, in 2008, Clink. Clint Eastwood's movie, Changeling, was released. Oh. And it had Angelina Jolie starring as Christine Collins. Nice. And That's you had... like
1: peak fame Angelina Jolie. Jolie,
0: Jolie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Same with me. I'm struggling to say names for some reason. <laughs> um, It just reminds me how in part one you were saying when we were like speculating on what it would have been like for three weeks to live with this fucking kid that you know isn't yours yeah and you had been saying that's a changeling yeah and i assumed you didn't know the movie i didn't changeling. i had no idea so i was like
1: oh. i'm not i don't know movies Brienne. No. i don't know if you haven't noticed this but no that's why no.
0: it's like i'm not gonna say anything because i don't think he knows what he's saying but there's probably people <laughs> listening that's like whoa i know a movie called changeling
1: yeah I don't think he knows what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh
0: but yeah, there's Angelina Jolie that was cast as Christine Collins and then you know how in part 1 I was talking about that reverend who had his little he's like a pioneer evangelist mm-hmm. talking about his like dramatic radio station. Yeah. Guess who played him in the movie?
1: Samuel L. Jackson.
0: No, it was a white man.
1: Oh. Who?
0: John Malkovich.
1: Oh god. <laughs> That's great.
0: Yeah. So as research for the changeling, or sorry, research for changeling, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood had a historian from the Riverside Historical Society take him to the Northcott ranch. And Eastwood said, quote, It was creepy. It looks exactly the same, though the house has been slightly modified. We went around back, and there were these chicken coops. I don't know if they were the same ones, but they were old. They were very rustic chicken coops.
1: Ugh. That's got to send fucking chills down your spine. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So while clint eastwood was on the property he said that like no one appeared to be home because like he said obviously someone still lived there the only thing that changed was the house so like clint better.
1: eastwood just wandered onto someone's property
0: <laughs> so that's what clint eastwood <laughs> said he said he decided not to knock on the door and intrude on their life because he didn't know how they would feel about having Clint Eastwood show up on their doorstep and announce that they lived in the former home of Gordon Northcott. I gotta
1: be honest, this is more upsetting to look out your window and see Clint Eastwood <laughs> just sneaking about.
0: Why is he looking at my chicken coops?
1: Yeah. Staring at your chicken coops like you're like, oh no. Oh <laughs> no. Oh no. What Why has is he got? Clint pl-
0: Eastwood trespassing.
1: Why does he Are look scared? Why does he look scared and lurking around my chicken coop?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Many people, the LAPD and Clint Eastwood included, and you know what? I'll add myself in there. Okay. They believe that Walter was killed on the North Cart ranch. Yeah. Despite no trace of him being found there, I I do think that he was. The fact that they could link the Winslow brothers and Elvin Gothea to the ranch, and both of them being from the LA area, mm-hmm. knowing that. Gordon Northcott was cruising the different suburbs and neighborhoods of LA, I do think it's totally possible that, sadly, Walter was one of the victims. Yeah. Plus, Sanford's testimony lines up so well with the other boys, Mm -hmm. and he separately identified. It wasn't sort of fed to him in any way. He identified Walter Yeah. as one of the boys that had been on the ranch. Yeah.
1: I, I 100% agree that it's just, and like the, it's not like Walter didn't like his mom and wouldn't like be like, Hey, like years later, like I'm, I'm right here. Exactly. You know? And, and if you're, if you think that he wasn't murdered, then he would have had to mm-hmm. been abducted in a separate case or something like mm-hmm. that in, in order for that to make sense. And that's a very intricate, complicated story to hold on to it's way more likely he was murdered.
0: And the point you make about him, the point you made about if he did happen to like run away or something like that Mm -hmm. and him never come home, that's a good point to make because his case did garner so much attention. Yeah, It literally went nationwide. As we know, Arthur assumed his identity because all the way out on like the Midwest mid-east basically coast Mm -hmm. in illinois
1: someone was like hey you sure look like Mm -hmm. that kid that's gone missing yeah
0: i can't imagine walter doing that to his mother no i think sadly he was taken the day he went was last seen and ended up on the ranch Mm -hmm. really sad but i i am amongst those people who believe that happened yeah Sadly, as we know, Christine didn't believe this. She really, really maintained that hope that her son was alive. And she continued to search for him while also trying to get her life back on track. She had gone through these lawsuits, these trials, everything. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to just spend her energy finding her son while also continuing to campaign for the release of her husband. Mm -hmm. She never stopped doing that. Right. That campaigning for the release of her husband did stop on August 16th, 1932 after Walter Sr. had died in the hospital, a prison hospital, um, after suffering from atrophy of the liver brought on by jaundice.
1: Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Jaundice is like
0: Jaundice is when you're literally when your liver atrophies. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. No, but like,
1: isn't that, was he drinking?
0: I don't think he, well, I mean, he could have been drinking in the fucking 1920s and 30s in prison.
1: Yeah. That's what I was like. You can also
0: have like.
1: You can still get jaundice from other things.
0: Yeah. You can get jaundice from other things. More or less liver failure. Different like blood poisonings, infections and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, if you heard someone had jaundice, it is likely because they're. Liver is so the toxicity in their liver is so bad from drinking,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I don't. Eh, who knows in the thirties? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's a whole different ball game.
0: Um, yeah. So she had stopped obviously mm-hmm. campaigning for the release because he passed. Mm-hmm. Thirty-six years after her son went missing, Christine passed away in Los Angeles on December eighth, nineteen sixty-four just shy of her 76th birthday. Mm -hmm. Christine is a symbol of a woman who enters everything for the love of her family. She was a steadfast, determined, composed woman, all while being surrounded by these people, these monsters that had this agenda that strayed so far from the only thing that ever mattered to her and the only thing that she ever continuously fought for which was finding her son this story that i've told you over two parts weaves terrifying true tales of missing children a serial killer impersonation police corruption coercion false imprisonment psychiatric abuse and lengthy court battles Literally all the fuckery.
1: Yeah, all the fuckery right there.
0: But the only thing that this tale does not weave is a real resolution for Christine because there was never any trace of her missing nine year old son, Walter Collins. None of that was ever found. Mm-hmm. There's also no resolution for the other families because no remains were found and the fucking assholes who. Were essentially brought to trial and and tried and all of that aren't reliable, right? They're they're terrible witnesses, yeah, and terrible suspects. They're
1: intentionally deceiving,
0: exactly. So you have this story that has all these very complicated moving parts and all of the O.J. Simpson drama of its day, but there's no real resolution. Mm-hmm. And it's just. That's it.
1: Yeah. Well, I just have one thing to say, and it's how dare you bring a story to rival my favorite stories right after we played them as best of. Really? Yeah. I love this story. This is a fantastic story. It's got everything. Um, it's got so much ridiculous shit going on, but throughout the entire story, you've got this woman who's just basically like a shining beacon. That's She's just amazing. going through this and like being an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got another victim as well who goes back to Canada and ends up, ends up being a incredible mm-hmm. addition to a community out there. And it's just a gem. So anyway, I loved it.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I am glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. It is. It's one of those things where it's like, I am happy. This, this is a good episode. Mm-hmm. and also. Just so sad for christine it's
1: fucking brutal
0: there's i'm like oh i just oh my god i fucking hate gordon and sarah Mm -hmm. i hate them they are demons those are not people yeah those are absolutely disgusting yeah excuses for a human Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but at least we can tell this story nearly a hundred years later And just talk about christine who is this like you're saying this is like shining beacon in this horrible story yeah she's so just determined steadfast composed all of that she just won't ever deviate from her objective which is i need to find my son yeah so i mean that's the story
1: that's a good story
0: i hope that uh all of you listening i know dyson you did Enjoy this two-part deep dive into the disappearance of Walter Collins, the Wineville murders, and Christine's fight to find her son, and her also her fight to hold corrupt people accountable for their actions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I know you did enjoy that, Dyson, and I hope everyone else did mm-hmm. listening. Um, yeah, Dyson, anything else you want to add, or anything else you think about this case, or what?
1: No, I thought you did an amazing job.
0: You think it's just another case to rival your OG it's, favorite? It of rivals
1: the Pig Woman. Pig Woman. Uh, the Hall Hall Mills murders were amazing for Pig Woman, but I think this is this is just as a whole a stronger episode. I just think this is such a this is now one of my favorites.
0: Basically, what you're saying is. Any episode from like this Jazz Age is seems to be the trend. Yeah, <laughs> it seems
1: it's not intentional. Maybe we yeah. have
0: to listen back to episode seven, part one and two, and then you can decide exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know what? This huh? part two of this is um, the last episode of April. Yeah. And guess what? What in May? people can expect a sort of like new dark adaptation segment that I plan on introducing into their feeds.
1: Ooh.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It'll also be on a weekly basis, but I don't really want to say too much because that's the fun of it. All right. Yeah. Intrigue.
1: Mm, intrigue. Intrigue.
0: To see photos related to this case, and all the cases that we cover here at Dark Adaptation. You can follow us on Instagram at Dark Adaptation Podcast. To see our sources, buy us a coffee, or check out our merch, you can visit our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. And thank you for tuning in. And guess what? What? Catch you on the dark side.
1: Ooh, bye. <laughs> Ooh.